All right. Hey, what's going on, Thrive Church? Hey, can we give the band some praise this morning? Didn't they do good this morning? Give them a hand clap of praise. Hey, thank the band for leading us in worship. And um, hey, if it's your first time here, I am not Pastor Kevin. Um, he's got a lot more muscles than me, um, but I got a lot more hair than him, so I'm winning either way. Um, but I love your pastor. He is, he's one of those guys, you know, you go to Walmart, you see some people you know, you try to hide from them. Pastor Kevin's one of those guys you want to run up to and say hi to. He's got that kind, gentle spirit. Um, I love your pastors. I love all the pastors here. Um, and it's an honor to be here today. He wanted me to speak to you guys um, about, on our new series. And before I get started, can I introduce you to my family real quick? Um, can we put them up on the screen? Um, these are um, my heart right here. This is my beautiful wife, Stacy Delgado. I love her to death. Um, and don't let her fool you. She's about um, 80 pounds, and she's about this big. But she wins Ironman competitions. She runs marathons. She's about as tough as they come. I love her to death. And um, that little guy on the screen, that's my son, Brave. Love him to pieces. Hey, and we, we believe that, that names in the Bible are powerful, amen, and uh, that names in the Bible symbolize the direction your life would go. So when we tried to pick a name out for my son, I said, hey, I wanted him to have a name that every time somebody calls it, they're speaking that into his life. So every time a teacher says, hey, Brave, are you here? He's going to stand up and say, yes, I'm here, because we got a crazy world that he's, he's get, getting into right now. Um, but the, the downfall of that is he is brave. Um, he's not even two yet, and he does the craziest stuff. Um, there's times me and my wife will walk into the bedroom, and he's standing. I don't even know how he gets up there. He gets on the highest part of the dresser, and he's just teetering. You know how toddlers do, just teetering right there. And you can't scare him because if you get in there and be like, get down, he'll fall, so you got to grab him. Um, the other day, my wife was at the park with him. And um, he's almost two, but, and you know, at the park, there's like the little kids area, but my son wants to go to the big kids area. And all these big kids were running and diving down the slide and getting shot off really far. And my son gets up to the slide. I'm like, this kid better not do this. He better not do this. He's looking around. All the moms are like, this is a bad idea. Don't let this kid do it. And he, he actually runs back and runs and dives down the slide and hits the bottom and flips and rolls. And everybody in the park goes, oh. And then my son gets up and goes, again, and he wanted to go do it again. And I love him, so, um, but the thing is, don't mess with my family, man. I'm a nice guy, man, but I'm, I'm saved, but I'm not that saved. You know, I'm one of those guys, you mess with my family, I got to ask the Lord, hey, man, should I put these hands on you, or should I lay these hands on you and pray for you for messing with my family? Hey, so keep them safe. Um, hey, we are in a series right now called Preaching to the Choir. Um, and if you guys know anything about church, it pretty much means I'm talking to the people that are already doing it. We're on the same page. We're in the, the house of God. We're, we believe the same things. But that doesn't mean every once in a while you need to be reminded of the things of God. And so right now, Thrive Church is going through this series called Preaching to the Choir. And what we're doing is reminding everybody of our core values. And what our core values simply means, like if you were to dissect uh, Thrive Church, if you were to cut it open, what would be the heart of our church? And that will be our core values. And one of the ones we're going to talk about today is multiplication. And you guys here at Thrive have a heart to multiply. Multiply God's kingdom. Multiply churches. Multiply disciples. There's a mission you guys have here called the 650K. You guys heard about the 650K? Where your heart, yeah, praise the Lord for that. Your heart, that there is 650,000 unsaved people in Richmond. And every year that number is going to go down because of your church. Every, every year that number is going to go lower and lower until everybody in Richmond is saved. And that's what multiplication is all about. So we're going to come back to that word at the end. But um, if you've got your Bibles, turn in with me real quick. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. We're coming out of 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. Before I read it, I want to give you a little backstory of what's going on here. So Israel right now is going through a famine. There's a famine in the town, meaning there's no food. The economy is dropping. People are on the brink of starvation. And the prophet Elisha comes to them and says, hey, I got good news, everybody. It's great news. 
You guys are, are, are going through a famine, but in one day, God's going to turn everything upside down. Right now, you have nothing, but in one day, you're going to have more than enough. And of course, the whole town is like, man, this is amazing news. How's this going to happen, though? And Elisha was like, I don't know. You know, ain't that just like God? He tells you, um, you know the beginning because you lived it. He tells you how the end works out, but you don't know the middle. It's the mystery in the middle. And, and Elisha's like, God never told me what happens in the middle. You just got to have faith. And what God does is he used four men with leprosy to save a whole city. And what leprosy was back in the days, it was a, it was a flesh-eating disease, um, and people thought it to be contagious. So if you had leprosy, you basically were outcast. You had to live outside the city walls. You had to live in tents. Um, you had to live with other people that had leprosy. Um, people actually had sticks. So if you came, tried to get anything, or got too close than 10 feet, they would have sticks to push you away from them. You also had to walk through the town and yell, unclean, I'm unclean. So everybody knew your mess. They knew your sin. Imagine you had to walk through town telling everybody your sin and your dirt. And ain't it just like God to use four men that the whole world overlooked, to use four guys that everybody else counted out, to use four people that everybody had wanted nothing to do. Ain't it just like God to use the people that you count out that he counts in, amen? Hey, I think about um, another story in, in the Bible. A, a prophet comes to a guy named Jesse and says, hey, Jesse, man, I got great news. God says that one of your kids are going to be the next king of Israel. Hey, do me a favor. Line up all your kids, and I'm going to walk by them, and God's going to show me which one of your kids are going to be king. So Jesse's like, this is great news. He gets all his sons. He lines them all up. The prophet walks by and goes through all seven kids, and he's like, nah, none of these are going to be king. I mean, I told you to bring all your kids. You brought all your kids, right? And Jesse's like, oh, I got another one. His name's David, but he ain't worth nothing. He's just a run anyway. And the prophet's like, no, grab David. Let's see. And of course, the one that they counted out was the one who became King David, the king of Israel. So be careful who you count out. So that's where we're picking up the story right now. I'm reading out of the King James. I think it's the same on the screen. It says this. It says, and there are four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why stay here till we die? If we say we will enter the city, there's a famine in the city, and we shall surely die. But if we sit here, we'll die also. Now, therefore, let us come and fall unto the host of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we'll live. And if they kill us, we shall die. The title of my message today is Why Stay Here Till We Die. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We invite you into this place. Um, we invite your Holy Spirit presence here. Father God, convict us, change us, transform us. Let your word of God change us to help us leave this place a little bit more like your son Jesus. It's in your sweet and precious name we pray. Amen. So here we go. We got this story going on, right? So there's these four men. They say that one phrase that when I was studying the Bible, it just stuck out to me. Why stay here till we die? So these four guys, right? So now, like I said, they, they have leprosy. They can't go into the city. They can't work for food. So the only thing that they got to eat was leftovers that people gave them. So now in their hometown, if people are going through a famine, they're the first ones to die off because now there's not enough to give to them. So they're outside the city gates, and they're asking themselves, hey, we can't go back because we're going to die. We can't stay here because we're going to die. But then they started smelling some steaks on the grill. You guys ever been out walking your dog or something and someone's having a barbecue? You're like, yo, who, who's having a barbecue? They start smelling some hot dogs or carne asada, whatever that good stuff is. They start smelling something. And what it was is the enemy, the Syrian army, were a couple miles down the road in the valley. And what they were doing, they were waiting for the Israelites to get real weak from the famine. And they were going to come and kidnap their wives and kids and take over the whole town. So these guys said, hey, they might have food. I know they have food. I can smell it. Hey, we go back that way, we're going to die. We stay here, we're going to die. Let's go there. They might kill us anyway, 
but then they might not. Hey, man, I like these guys. I like the type of Christians that, that, that live on the positive side of the what ifs. You know the what ifs? Hey, what if I ask out that girl, and oh, what if she turns me down? Hey, but what if she says yes? You know, what, what if I, I apply for my dream job, and, and man, if they tell me no, I'll be brokenhearted because that's all I ever want to do in my life. Hey, but what if they say yes, and now for the rest of your life, you get paid to do what you love? Hey, I want to be a type of Christian that lives on the positive. You can praise the Lord for that. I want to be the type of Christian that lives on the positive sides of the what ifs. And I like these guys. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at their life. And, and the Bible says it was written for our example. So we're going to look at these four men. And there's three lessons I want to pull out from their lives that we can apply to ours. And I want you to ask yourself the same question. Hey, why stay here till you die? Why stay in the same place you've been in for years till you die? You know you can't go back but don't stay here. And for some people, you're here might not be a physical location. Some of you guys might be stuck in an emotional location. You know, a divorce can get you stuck and never trusting people again. That can get you stuck in an emotional location. A death in the family can get you stuck. You know, has life ever hit you so hard, it just gets you stuck? I remember, I, I, this happens to my son all the time. I feel bad. Like me and him start running around the house. I'm chasing him. We're having a good time. And all of a sudden he's laughing and not paying attention where he's going. And bam, he hits something and he gets stuck. And then you know what happens next? He does a, and you know the big cry is coming. I'm like, mom, get your kid. But life can hit you so hard it gets you stuck. And I remember me and my wife, we went through a season where we got emotionally stuck. You know, we had this dream um, of, of having a family of four. It's just a perfect number. Uh, I don't know where you're at, but we were like, that's just a perfect number. We can't do anymore. That's a great number. So we started working towards it. We said, hey, God, we want to have a family of four. This is our dream. And we started working towards that. And um, the doctor said we had a 5% chance of having a baby because some complications. And then we had our first kid, and we praised the Lord for that. And then we kept trying to have a second one. And I remember, and wives, you're, you're good at this, at getting, getting surprised, you, you know, surprising your husband of the baby being pregnant or your wife being pregnant. I remember coming downstairs, and I see my son laying on the floor, and he had written on his onesie, world's cutest big brother. And I'm crying. I'm like, yes, God answered our prayers. And I'm picking him up. I'm hugging him. Then you go through the journey. You know, my wife's body starts to change to get prepared for the baby. Um, I start changing things in the house to get prepared for this new baby. We're, we're going to the doctors. We're hearing the heartbeats. We're, all this excitement is coming. We're announcing to the world we're going to be parents again. And we go through this journey. We're painting. We're building. We're doing all this. And then we go back to the doctor. And the doctor's looking around. And there's no heartbeat. And I remember we left that day emotionally stuck. I remember asking God, why even bother giving us, why even tease us like that? Why even put us through all this joy if you're just going to snatch it back away from us? And I remember emotionally we got stuck and we said, hey, we're not even going to try this again because we're not going to go through the heartache of, of getting pregnant and losing a baby and going through all this. And we just kind of let it go. We said, hey, we got emotionally stuck. And maybe you've been there. Maybe spiritually you got stuck. Maybe you've been hurt by church hurt by people in the church, or maybe God didn't show up like you thought he would. Maybe um, you see God heal other people with, with cancer and diseases, and you prayed for him to heal your spouse or your grandmother, and then you saw them die, and you were stuck spiritually. Maybe you saw your hopes and dreams die before your eyes, and, and you're stuck. Hey, so what do you do when you get stuck? I, I, I want to look at this story because we can't stay stuck. We can't stay here till we die. So I want to look at these men and their lives and see what lessons we can, we can glean from their lives to help us. And number one, it's so practical. I'm a practical guy. It's on the screen. It says this. Get around people that can help you get unstuck. Hey, I'm not a deep guy. You can tell. Um, get around people that can help you get unstuck. You ever try to uh, push a stalled car? You know how hard it is to push it yourself? 
But then you get some people coming alongside you. It gets easier and easier. And that's what it is in this Christian life, man. You got to get around people that can help get you out of your mess, that can help you get unstuck. And that's what these four guys did in the story. They're huddling together. They're like, what are we going to do? We go this way, we're going to die. We stay here, we're going to die. So what are we going to do? And they start encouraging each other. And they say, hey, man, let's just take a chance. Let's get out of this mess. We can't stay here. And they kind of fired each other up. And that might be for you joining a small group where you can be honest with people so they know where you're stuck. You know, God can't heal the fake you. You know that, right? If you're never honest with somebody about your real struggles, your real pains, they can't help you. So what they did is they got around people that can help them get unstuck. Because here's what I know is that people are connected to your purpose. You know that, right? Your purpose in life and, and your mission in life is usually connected to people. If you're gifting is, maybe you're, you're gifted at writing. God didn't give you that gift so you can write letters to yourself, but maybe to write a blog to encourage moms. Maybe your gift is singing. It's not to sing to yourself to sleep every night. It's maybe to lead worship on stage. But you'll never know that if you're not connected with people that can help get you unstuck. Hey, the second thing I want to say here in this message is believers should always have the courage to take a chance. I believe as Christians, we always have to have the courage to take risks, to take a chance. And that's what these four guys did. They said, hey, listen, if we go to the enemy's camp, they might kill us, but they might not, but we're going to take that chance. Hey, I want to be the type of Christian that's always taking the chances. I want to be the type of Christian that's going to step out on faith like Peter did and took that chance to walk. Yeah, he sunk, but he took a chance. And I think about the, the four Hebrew guys that were thrown into the fire. You guys remember that story? If you grew up in church or, or went to Sunday school, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were going to be thrown in the fire because they didn't want to bow down to no false gods. And I love what they said. They said, hey, you can throw us in the fire because our God's going to save us. Uh, but if he doesn't, hey, throw us in anyway. We're going to take a chance. Hey, I want to be the type of Christian that takes chances. Hey, I think about another man that came to Jesus. He was broken broken that his daughter was dying. And he goes to Jesus and he's like, hey man, I don't have any faith, so I'm just taking a chance. Can you heal my daughter? I got nothing left. I'm just taking a chance. And Jesus said, hey, that's all you need is a little bit of faith. And Jesus healed that guy's daughter. I think about another lady with an issue of blood. And this story, if you read the story, it, you can kind of understand what's going on. Anywhere Jesus went, he was surrounded by thousands of people. And it wasn't because everybody wanted to be saved, but everybody wanted something. He was feeding people everywhere he went. He was healing people. Um, he was doing miracles. So people like wanted something. So everywhere Jesus went, there was thousands of people surrounding him. So here's this lady surrounded, and I believe she got trampled on the floor. She's got this disease with blood, and Jesus is walking by, and she's like, never in the Bible did it say if you touch Jesus' clothes, you got healed, but she had to take a chance. Here comes Jesus walking by, and she reaches out, and she's trampled on the ground, grabs the hem of his coat, and she's healed because she took a chance. Guys, I want us to be the type of Christians that take a chance. We can't stay here forever. You got to take a chance on your dreams. Hey, you got to take a chance on your spouse. You got to take a chance on your kids one last time. But we can't stay here till we die. We have to take a chance. Christians need to lead the way in taking chances. I love taking chances. Every chance I get, I will take a chance. Even at the mall. You ever do this at the mall? Um, you know, you're going to the mall. The goal is to get as close as you can to the door. And this is what happens every time at Shore Pump Mall. It's packed on a Saturday, and there's a good spot here, but I'm like, ah, there might be a better one up there. But then I might lose the good one right here, the medium one. Hey, I'm going to take that chance. Sometimes I get a close one. There's a car backing up. I'm like, oh, my God, it's real. Sometimes I don't. I got to go even further back. But I'm going to take that chance. I want us to be Christians that take chances. And the third thing I see in this story is that their movement moves God to work miracles. The Bible says faith without works is dead. 
So what I want you to do, number one, to get unstuck. Yeah, praise the Lord. What I want you to do, number one, is to get unstuck. Get around people that can help push you to your purpose. Number two, I want you to take a chance. And here's what happens when you take steps of faith. Um, I don't have it on the screen, but I, I'll paraphrase it. So the next part of the verses is this. These four guys decide not to stay here and die. They say, hey, we're going to take a chance. We might live. We might not, but we're going to take that chance. And look what God does. He used their steps. If they would have never made a step forward, God would have no, nothing to use. So as these four guys started taking steps to the enemy's camp, what God did was use the sound of their footsteps and magnified it so much that the enemy that was in the valley thought they were being surrounded by a bigger army that they got so scared they dropped everything and ran off. So now all of a sudden, these four guys, these four guys get to the town. There's still smoke, still hot dogs on the grill. There's dogs running around. They're like, hello, anybody here? And they open up a tent. There's piles of gold. They're like, okay, okay, let's see. All right, nobody's here. There's food everywhere. They start grabbing up all this food. And then what happened is they went back to their hometown and they said, hey, man, listen, guys. Hey, there's more food than we could ever imagine. There's cattle there. There's gold there. There's clothes there. So just like God said, in one day, these four people turned the whole economy around because the whole town went and ransacked the enemy's stuff and took it back, all because they took steps of faith. God uses your steps and he makes miracles out of those steps. I remember another story in the Bible where um, 10 lepers come to Jesus, and they had leprosy also, and they said, hey, Jesus, can you heal us? And Jesus, there's 10 of them, and Jesus says, hey, man, go ahead. You guys are healed. Go show yourselves to the priest. Now, I've been to Bible college, and I studied this. Um, the, the priest's temple was six and a half miles away, and they weren't healed right there. So if Jesus told me, hey, go show the priest you're healed, I'd be like, but I'm not healed yet, bro. And Jesus said, just go. By the time you get there, you'll be healed. And they, they had to. And the Bible says, as they went, mile one, their hand starts to get healed. They're like, oh, okay. But they took steps of faith. As they went, they look, oh, my other hand is healed. Their legs start to be healed. And by the time they got to the priest, they were healed because they took steps of faith. I think about Father Abraham. You guys know that song? Father Abraham. Sing it all the time in church. Hey, that guy, God says, hey, man, go to a land and I'll show you. And Abraham's, yeah, I'll go, but where do you want me to go? Just go. And I'll show you, but where am I going? God says, just go. He's like, all right, I'll go. And as he went, God blessed him to be the father of many nations. Hey, I want us to be Christians that go. I want us to be Christians that take a chance. And I remember me and my wife, we, were, we had to fight with this struggle about having a baby because we didn't want to go through that heartache again. We didn't want to go through that pain, you know. If we got pregnant, oh, man, it's fake. We're not even going to believe it. We're not even going to get excited. We're not going to put ourselves through that. But we got around some people that said, hey, if you got a dream, you got to fight for that dream. Hey, man, if you have faith, you got to take steps of faith. So me and my wife, we prayed. We're like, hey, do you want to go down this journey again? And we cried a lot. We prayed a lot. We're like, ah, it's going to be hard to trust God again after we were hurt so bad. But, man, we got to be Christians. We got to be people of faith. So we started taking steps. You know the steps you take to get a baby? We took a lot of those steps. Again, <laughs> took a lot of steps to get there. And let me show you something, man. On Monday, throw that picture up there. On Monday, because we took steps of faith, God introduced us to a brand new baby boy. Hey, can you praise the Lord right now? A brand new son, six pounds, 
four ounces of answered prayer right there because we took a step. We said, hey, God, yeah, we're hurt, we're broken, but we're not going to stay here till we die. We have to take a step. We have to try one more time. Hey, there's faith on the other side. Hey, there's blessings on the other side. Hey, there's forgiveness and second chances on the other side, but you got to take a chance. You can't stay here till you die. And I'm so thankful me and my wife decided to trust God and take a chance. And I want to bring it back to, to multiplication because that's what we're talking about today. That's what, what it's all about today. Me and my wife went on this journey and, um, of, of, of starting a church. We said, hey, you know what? We, we've been to church after church, and, and we, we're not the type, we wouldn't bash churches or anything like that, but we saw flaws or the people that weren't being reached, and instead of criticizing, we're like, well, let's do something about it. Hey, I want to go to the prisons. I want to go to the jails. I want to get the drug addicts, the ex-cons. I want to go after the people that, that would say, hey, if I ever step foot in church, I'll burn that place down. I'm going to say, great, come to my church. And we wanted to, to be an outreach ministry that goes out and gets them, but at the same time, we want to disciple Christians and, and make sure we have a good, strong family unit. So we started this journey to plan the church. And I started reaching out to different pastors. I've been in Richmond for a while, and, and I started reaching out to pastors and friends and said, hey, man, I need some help, man. I'm drowning out here. I know God's called us to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I know it takes money, resources, and people. I got zero, zero, and zero. And one by one, everybody turned us down. One by one. Oh, you've been divorced? Oh, I can't. Ultimate sin. You've been divorced? I, I can't touch you. You can't, you can't hang with us. You can't sit over here Oh, you got, a you got a criminal record before you were saved? Oh, no, no. I mean, we're all about forgiveness, but not really forgiveness. So we can't have you. You got a pass? Oh, no, we got nothing to do with you. Oh, you want money? Oh, we only got enough money for us. Pastors would actually tell me when they found out where I was going to plant a church. They're like, this is my area. Pastors are worse than gang members. They're like, this is my area. You stay out. Don't mess with my people. This is my hood. Get out. True story, man. I remember I went to a jail ministry one time. I was a guest speaker, and, and, and I felt like because I'd been there, I could relate to them and all that, and I was so excited. I told the guys that invited me, hey, I can't wait to come back next week and keep doing this with you guys. And they're like, oh, we got it. We've been doing this for 20 years now. We got it. We're good. And I was like, okay, my bad. And door after door started shutting, and me and my wife were hurt by that. We're like, you know, we're done with this. You know, we just want to help people, and they don't want to be helped, then forget it. Let's leave it alone. But then we took a chance. I got a message on my Facebook. It said this, a guy named Pastor Kevin Burdeau. I didn't know how to say his name back then. I knew it was French. Is it French? I don't know. Um, but it, he, he left a message on our Facebook. He was like, hey, I'd love to talk to you and see how we can help. And I was like, a pastor offering to help another? This is crazy. I was like, okay, let's see what he's talking about. Let's, I, I guess let's, let's take a chance. I told my wife, should we do it? Or is it someone just trying to find out what we got going on? Or, or just should we take a chance? My wife was like, he seems sincere. Let's take a chance. So I met him for coffee. We had lunch after that, and we talked, and we started to know each other, and he started telling me about Thrive Church. He started telling me about how you guys believe in multiplication, how you guys believe in building God's kingdom, how, how, how you want to make hell a lot less empty and heaven a lot more full, and that your vision is, is 650K, and, and he knows it's not going to be only him that's going to reach the 650K, but we got to team up together. He starts telling me all this stuff, and I'm getting excited because that's my heart too. I'm like, this is crazy. Could this actually be happening? A pastor that wants to come alongside another pastor and help? And he says this, hey man, where's your location? You know, to, to start a church, you got to have a spot. Like that's the, you got to have somewhere to start. And I was like, no, I don't have a spot yet. And he was like, well, what about money? How much money do you have in the budget you know, to start renting a building. And I was like, all right, let me do the math. I got four divided by, I got zero, zero. I ain't got nothing, man. I got nothing. And he was like, all right, all right. He's like, all right, let, let me see what I can do for you. See, that's what I love about this church. You guys put your money where your mouth is. He says this. That's why I'm preaching to the choir right now about multiplication. He says, hey, listen, I got a, I got a Richmond location, 
they got a fellowship hall. It's beautiful. It can seat up to 200 people. Hey, why don't you have that for rent-free to start a church? And I was like, are you serious? No strings attached? He's like, no, go ahead and do it. Hey, I got, there's more to the story. He says this. He goes, hey, listen, you want to make some videos so you can start promoting your church? Hey, I'm going to offer up my team at Thrive Church to help you make videos, to help you uh, make websites, to help you with every advice you need, systems. My, my kids ministry team has been working with your kids ministry team, and they've been helping them, teaching them the way of how to do a kids ministry. And little by little, pastor and your church have helped us. And because of your church, because of your giving, uh, because of your heart to help multiplication, you guys are helping us launch Revive Church September of 2022. You guys are living multiplication. I don't have to teach on it. You guys are doing it. I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are already living the 650K. It's because of you guys were able to start a church to reach people because you guys know and your pastor knows it takes money to start a church. It takes people to get behind you. It takes resources, and he's offering all that to help us because he has a heart for the 650K and because you guys have a heart for multiplication. So on behalf of my church, thank you guys for being on board to reaching the 650K. Together, we can get all of Richmond saved. I'm going to close with this. The band's going to come up, and I'm going to close with this. I want to just say that this isn't normal. Your church is different, and I've experienced it. It's, it should be normal. It should be, but, and the only thing Pastor Kevin asked me in return, he says, hey, what I'm doing for you and what, what Thrive Church is doing for Revive Church, I want you to do that to the next church, and I'm going to, I promise you I will do that, and we'll continue to do that so we can continue to reach the 650K for Jesus. Hey, would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and, and if there's people in this room, if, man, they've been away from you for a long time and they've been stuck here, they haven't joined a team, maybe they're still watching online, but they haven't took the step to come in. Father God, I pray you give them the courage to take a chance one more time. I pray if they, they fell away from you, Father God, that they take a chance on you one last time, Father God. I pray they take another step of faith and say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go all in this time. I'm going to go all in. I'll trust you one more time. Father God, I pray that if they're in this room, that you start stirring their heart to go all in one last time, Father God, because we know on the other side there's blessing on the other side. There's, there's healing. There's hope. There's faith on the other side of trusting you, Father God. Lord, I want to thank you for Thrive Church, for, for Pastor Kevin and this church coming alongside our church to help us reach the lost, helping us reach the 650K. We are so thankful and honored for that partnership. Lord, I pray you bless them 10 times over for what they're doing for us, Father God. We ask all these things in the sweet and precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.